TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Bob Cordaro Show. It is 10.06 here at WILK. I'm Sue Henry. I'm sitting in all week long for Bob Cadaro, who is usually in this slot. He's on vacation, though, so I thought, what the heck all happened by? I, when I was here yesterday, we had Matt Birkbeck on to talk about the life we chose, William Big Billy D'Elia, and the last secrets of America's most powerful mafia family. What a great guy Matt is. He's a newspaper guy. He's been around for a long time, written a couple of books. And I, I was down in Pittston after after the show, and I was uh, with the, the, the Sabatellis, like I am many times, and uh, there was... Uh, uh, an opening of the door, and a guy said to, to Jason, Jason, a guy wants to see you out in the parking lot. And this happens a lot in Pittston, you know. <laughs> this is how it is. A lot of stuff happens around the store. And uh, Jason came in, and he got me, and he said, there's a guy I want you to meet out in the parking lot. And it is the guy seated across from me right now. William Big Billy D'Elia is here with us today on WILK. And uh, when I met him, I I said, do you want to do the show? And he said he had asked his publicist, and I thought maybe it was his daughter, Carolyn, but it was actually a publicist, right? (laughs) She is not a publicist. She's mine. She's your publicist. That's great. So uh, he agreed to come here today to talk about uh, the book. And it's it's rare that you speak to the media, isn't it, Billy? Never. <laughs> so will you be speaking today? Yeah. Oh, good. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, good. Well, hopefully, if, if not, we're going to have a long hour. But uh, you are the subject of this new book, The Life We Chose. For a long time, you have been... A witness to history in the in the front row and in many regards due to your relationship with the late Russell Buffalino. So there's a lot to say here. How did you decide being so private and, and so not apt to talk to journalists to sit with Matt for this book? How did this all transpire? Well, I was tired of people spreading rumors and lies about Russell and me. 
So I had my friend David Mattis reach out for Matt. He reached out for me. We went to my son's house and we did a book. <laughs> it's that simple, isn't it? So this book, the interviews that Matt did with you, were actually done in a large part in Russell Buffalino's house, right? Correct. So your, does your son live in that house? Yes. Okay. What was it? <clears throat> did that comfort you at all to be in that space where you had spent so much time with Russell Buffalino? Yeah, I would say yes. Okay. Let's go back to the early part of the book talks about you as a young man in Pittston. And it talks about the, the very opening of the book is a little bit tough. Well, first of all, they talk about where you were arrested in 2006, and then it kind of backtracks to the story of you. There's a chapter that is called Pittston, and it talks about your early life and your childhood and and how Russell Buffalino was a a father figure to you, because in in your life, your father was a little rough with you, wasn't he? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, I don't know if we want to get into the story about your puppy, because I don't want to make you sad at this point. But here you are, a young man— in Pittston, talk about the first time that you saw Russell Buffalino and shook his hand. It was at my sister's wedding, and he, he was there, and I was introduced to him. But I knew who he was because I used to watch the, the trials in, in the pool room. He would walk through the pool room every now and then and shake hands with everybody. Yeah, so he came through the—that was one of the things he was involved in, is some of these, like, pool hall activities. And 90% of Pittston was involved in the pool halls. <laughs> they were also involved in—and <clears throat> I think you were, too, in uh, bookmaking and, and, and things like that, right? A little bit in that order. <laughs> A little bit. Not, you know. Yeah, so you were involved in that uh, as well. Uh, when you had that first impression about Russell Buffalino, what did you think about him? I thought he was a great guy. Just from the moment you met him? Yep. Okay. So, you know, time... Until the day I die, he'll always be the favorite one of my life. Really? Yes. Okay. And why do you feel that way? Because he was a great person. He treated me great. He was a great person. He did a lot of good for a lot of people around here. So he was something to look up to. Somebody to look up to. As your your youth transpires, you think about and you actually go to become educated as an accountant. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you you got some kind of accounting degree, didn't you? Yeah, business degree. Yeah, business degree or an accounting degree. Uh, what made you decide not to do that and instead to become... Uh, somebody who worked for Russell Buffalino. Well, I went into service. When I came out, I was working at Arrow Distributors, which I ended up owning or running. And then I was with Russell. I just met him. I used to meet him at Medicos. He used to give me right here, kid, give me right there. And I looked up to him. And and that became a big part of your your life and your world. As you were you were at uh, a business that the era they did uh, was it appliances? Yeah. yeah, appliance distributor. Okay, so they're an appliance distributor, and you're also you know with the medicos and so on and so forth. Uh, and you decide that you want to become part of of his inner circle, and 
I would imagine that that was something that you didn't really talk about with too many different people. I was mostly part of his family, his real family, like his wife and my kids. That was the first impression. That's how I was in the beginning. And what what happened was that because Russell and his wife had they had no children, Billy. Um, you started to become his child. His child. As as a young person, we always look to figures, and, and you know, some of us have parents who are you know very near and dear to us. And I understand your mom was really a great lady and mm-hmm. very saint like, and 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 so on. But you know, we look up to people. When did you really start to feel like you were Russell Buffalino's son? The more I remember him, the more he introduced me as his son. <laughs> he did? Yes. Quite often? Yes. Now, did you take that very seriously? Did it work both ways? Yes. Uh, I know that you know, we, when someone yes. says, I want to be your parent, we expect something from them. Um, going the other way, as Russell Buffalino's son, uh, what, what was your expectation, or what did you think you had to do in your mind for him? Whatever he wanted. Yeah, and you did. I was very close to him, and I was very close to David Seiko. I ate at David Seiko's house every day, lunch and dinner. And Russell was very close with Dave. So I became very close with Russell. So as time transpires, uh, this becomes your actual world, right? Right. You, from reading the book, would go anywhere— at the drop of a hat for Russell. Absolutely. Oh, did How did that play in your mind? I mean, did you ever think that you had that kind of duty to your own parents? Yeah, I just loved him. You loved him. Why did you love him so much? Because he was a great person. He was one of the smartest people I ever met. He was intelligent. He was kind. He was simple. He was tough. He was the whole thing all rolled into one. In fact, even on uh, some of the, your family holidays... There would be the phone call on Thanksgiving dinner that uh, there'd be come here now and talk about some of the places you would go. They weren't close. Some of them you'd go to like Florida or Buffalo or whatever. Florida, Buffalo, California, Kansas, Miami. (laughs) What what did your your wife think about that? (laughs) I guess she thought it was all right. Did she? She thought it was all right? Yeah, she thought it was fine. Yeah. Mommy loved Papa Russell. She loved Russell more than I did, and he loved her more than he loved me. Yeah, Uh, Carolyn's here, too. Billy's daughter, and uh, she's she's featured in the in the book at at certain places because uh, Russell Buffalino was her babysitter, right? You, You saw... Russell through the window when you had, a, I think you had to go to a wake or something like that. A rocking horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were watching, what were you watching in the living room? She, he bought a rocking horse at FAL Sports. And we looked in the minute she was on, the, he was on the rocking horse with her little hat. And she was on the couch twisting his diamond by the inch wrist, uh, pocket watch. So, so she's swinging the diamond pocket watch. And he's riding her horse with his hat on. And, and you're wearing your hat. And he loved Carolyn. He, yeah, because he looked at your children as his, as his grandchildren, and I think that that's really something. And they looked at him as their grandfather. Right. Now, of course, 
everybody who is aware because of the book and because we live in northeastern Pennsylvania knows that Russell Buffalino, in, in case you're just tuning in and you don't know this, was a very powerful figure in the history of the American mafia. No, he was powerful. Oh, okay. He was just powerful. <laughs> but powerful. he may have had associations which are detailed in this book with other powerful figures. Allegedly. Allegedly, supposedly. Okay, I'll make all I'll make all the inferences. All right. <laughs> to keep this interview on on track. He had relationships with many powerful figures who were involved in a laundry list of activities that may be associated with La Mafia. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. And through these associations, you had associations. Could you say for sure that that happened to you? Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, Matt told me it would be like this. And I said, okay, I'm ready for the challenge. Uh, You went to a lot of different places and witnessed a lot of American history as, uh, as somebody who was an associate of Russell Buffalino. True? True. True. And uh, some of these these things are, are detailed in the book. Some of them, uh, when the the incident with the, the Bay of Pigs, for example, did you have firsthand knowledge of that? It was before my time. It was before your time. Okay. I, I, okay. I knew about it. How did you know about it? Well, if you lived in Pennsylvania, you <laughs> wrote a newspaper, you knew about it. So what happened in that regard is it was the CIA, right? They were contemplating what to do during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and they came to Russell Buffalino. Okay, because Russ, I'll say all the words because Russell Buffalino knew a lot about Cuba because he was involved in a casino in Cuba. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, did he ever talk about that with you? Nothing we used to talk about. I used to bust him. You used to bust him? That, that's when the, they were hijacking the planes and taking them to Cuba. And when all that pressure was going on, I says, I hope they don't hijack this one. We're dead if we do. <laughs> oh, no. Now, that kind of relationship, um, w- which was in the 60s, the, uh, the people that associated with Russell Buffalino, for the lack of a better way to say it, were behind the election of John F. Kennedy for president. Couldn't we say that's true? Allegedly, yeah. Okay. So allegedly it's true. And then later in the book, it's mentioned that Robert Kennedy severely grilled Russell Buffalino and his associates, right? But he didn't answer one question. He didn't answer one question. Did you ever talk to him about that? Yeah, I'm just wondering because here's here's a a group of individuals who go out of their way to get somebody in office as the president, and then the brother turns around and and brings them to Washington and grills them. Correct. Yeah. How does that go over with people? 
I don't think of her too great. <laughs> I don't either. And uh, it was great to meet Billy yesterday for the first time in my life in downtown Pittston. But that's that's where you go to meet people. If you want to meet people, you have right, Billy. You go to downtown Pittston and you go to the store, and then all of a sudden you meet people, right? Absolutely. That's the way it works in Pittston. So we were talking a little bit about the the background and how Billy came to know Russell Buffalino and become part of his inner circle and how Russell Buffalino considered Billy to be his son and he considered Billy's children to be his grandchildren. Your children, their names are in honor of Russell Buffalino and his wife, right? Yep. And my sister of my grandmother. Miriam's named after grandma. Okay, so you one of the one of the siblings is named after grandma, but the other two are named after Russell Buffalino and his wife, right? Yeah, Miriam's named after her mother's mother. That's great. And that's quite the tribute. But uh, again, he considered you to be his son. He and introduced me as his son all over New York. Where you spent a lot of your time. A People lot. still think I'm a son. Say I'm a son. There are many parts of this book that people have questions about because there are there, there are certain narratives that have been written about Jimmy Hoffa, for example, and what really happened to Jimmy Hoffa and uh, Frank the Irish Irishman Sheeran, who another book author says is involved in the murder of Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what was going on there? Because you were with Russell Buffalino and Jimmy Hoffa, and uh, you you probably in in Michigan, right? You were were you in Michigan? I met him in Philadelphia. I met him in Florida, and he was very close to Russell. And he was very close to Frank Sheeran. Jimmy Hoffa. And Frank Shear was very close to us, and Jimmy Hoffa. Now, there became this moment where Jimmy Hoffa had been incarcerated. He got out of jail. He wanted to be the head of the Teamsters again because he Richard Nixon actually got him out, right? Right. Yeah, and Jimmy Hoffa, there was another man who was the head of the Teamsters, and— uh, Jimmy Hoffa didn't really like that. He wanted to be the head of the Teamsters again. And Russell Buffalino kind of told Jimmy Hoffa to cool it and stop it. And they, they in some meetings that happened, people were wearing, like, you know, Hoffa for president buttons. And there was some friction there, right? When Hoffa went away, he put Frank Fitzsimmons in charge of the union with the stipulation he would take over when he came out. When Richard Niggs wrote the the pardon, it was clear pardon. Frank Sheard picked it up. After some people complained, Niggs wrote a different one and put excluded him to run for president for to run for president of the union. So that was that. Jimmy was a tough guy. He built a union. He was an honest guy. He might have gave loans to people, but he made sure they got paid back. Fitzsimmons wasn't that tough. But didn't Russell tell him to stop being so insistent to come back as the president of the union prior to his disappearance? None of those words. He just told Jimmy, what are you doing? Yeah. It wasn't sit down and do this. It was just a conversation. Russell loves Jimmy Hoffa, so did Frank Sheeran. 
so what do you think happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what do you think happened to Jimmy Hoffa? Do you think that uh, Frank Sharon took him out? No. Do I think Frank Sharon comes to Bala Doers? So you, you think that, you don't think that the, the, that whole book, the whole movie, all that, that was all nonsense to you? Nonsense. Yeah. Now, later, when Russell Buffalino was incarcerated and then he got sick, he was actually with Frank Sharon, right? Correct. Did you get any kind of information about what those two talked about? No, I knew Frank Sharon since I was about 15 years old. I knew Frank Sharon for almost as long as Russell. Yeah. And what did you think of him? Do you think he would kill Jimmy Hoffa? No. Do you know who might have? (laughs) Not really. Okay. If I did, I'd write a book. Yeah, well, here's a book. You seem to think, because there's been all kinds of speculation as to where Jimmy Hoffa's remains are, I think the language that you use on this is that your speculation is he was burned up, right? No, I think I said cooked. Cooked! Okay, you said cooked. All right, so you think... That that was my, you know, I couldn't prove it. No, and... and, I didn't say I could prove it. Do you think that it's unusual that no one can prove it? I mean, we've had investigation after investigation into the death of Jimmy Hoffa. Do you think it's unusual that uh, nobody could get to the bottom of this? No. Okay. We're going to take the break here at 1030 on WLK, and uh, we're going to hang on to uh, William Big Billy Delia for a little while longer because I have to ask you about Michael Jackson, and I have to ask you about The Godfather. These are mandatory questions that people who live here want to know about, and you have your own thoughts about Michael Jackson that a lot of people don't share, so I do want to talk about that when we come back on WILK. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We are uh, having a conversation this morning on the radio with William Big Billy D'Elia. 
And the book, The Life We Chose, has been written about him by Matt Birkbeck. So we talked to Matt yesterday, and we are talking to Billy today. Now, as uh, time moves on, Billy, you become more involved with managing the affairs of, of Russell Buffalino, right? Correct. Yeah. And he he has a, a level of trust in you that's very, very high. He is eventually incarcerated. First of all, oh, let's talk about the, the move to deport him. There, Russell Buffalino was born in Italy, right? He was, no, not born. Born in Pittston. Well, you say, but didn't, no, isn't his, there? his mother and father came from Italy okay. to here. She was pregnant. She had Russell. The father got fighting with somebody. He got back in the boat and he went back to Italy. Did he? And about Six, seven months later, he was in a mining accident. So the mother finally came back and lived with his cousin and his uncle in Wyoming. But was there some sort of speculation that he was really born in Italy well, as he, a, as an attempt to, at one point in his life, deport him to Italy? They tried to deport him. They ordered him to deport him. But he fought that for like 30, 40 years. I was with him at immigration when Brennan was the head of immigration in Philadelphia. He had to report every week. And he told him, Russ, I got to like you. If you know you, you like you. Why don't you sign anything in Detroit, Pacey? You'll never do a day in jail, and I'll take care of you. He says, I was born in America, and I'll die in America. And there is one picture of me and him walking down the street. That was the deportation. He said, they told me to get here at 8.30, it's 8 o'clock, where are they? And I was carrying a suitcase, a suitcase, 40 pounds of toilet paper, because the toilet paper was tough in Italy. And he told me, kid, get ready, because a couple of weeks from the family's going to move out here with me. What would you, you're, so Russell told you if he did get deported, you would be over in Italy with with your wife and family. And your family. And your wife was actually okay with this, right? She loved Russell. Yeah, so, but she said it would be pretty or something like that, that she, she would go. So you brought the 40 pounds of toilet paper, and then it never happened, right? Well, when we got there, they put him in the hole. And while I was in the hole, he promised something to some kid we had to send. But at quarter to four, they came in with shackles to take him out, and they were going to get him lost in the system. But at 10 minutes to four, they came out and they said, we just got a letter from, we just got in touch with, or really got in touch with us. They said he's not born in their country, so therefore he's a man without a country, let him go. <laughs> so Italy said no, basically. Yeah. And that really kept him in the United yep. States. Uh, eventually, he does go to prison, yeah. and the he was out in in Kansas, Kansas for the first. Long- first, he was in Danbury. Then he was in Kansas at Leavenworth, and in the last few years, he went to Lexington, Kentucky. So, when he was in the the prison in Kansas, that's when you would go. You went twice a week, twice a week to Kansas. No, to Danbury. Okay. Kansas, I would go like every month. Okay. And your wife was okay with that too? Yeah. She's a great lady. I used to take his wife over too. She's the best lady. Yes. Yeah, she's. And you took Russell's wife occasionally out there? Every time I went Okay. There. And while he was there, he, he was doing things for the inmates, right? And for the community. Absolutely. Can you tell a little story about something that he did that maybe isn't in the book? Sister Peg, he bought her a car, 
and then there was who, whose husband, whose son died, and they needed 3000 for a funeral, send it. I mean, every day I was sending something. Every day was, and he says, hold, till I get back. I had a box of slips this big. They're still where I put them. Yeah. Of, of things that you had to to do just and get done. People, yeah. yeah, just to send to people. This lady got a job. She needs some clothes. This guy needs this. The one kid needs a car, so I got him a car. And the one kid needs a motor for his truck. I got him. Every day he had a different job, and nothing was for him or for somebody else. Let's talk about you, you have this more prominent role in, in running his affairs. But then you also have a role in the career of... Michael Jackson? <laughs> Talk about how this transpires. It, it has to do with uh, alleged associates who tried to tried to muscle him, right? Muscle his manager was Tricky Delia. Yeah. And Michael. So I, they made an appointment to come to New York. And when they did, I was sitting there reading the paper. And the guy says, my name is so-and-so. I says... When I met you with so-and-so, he says, oh, no, Billy, please. We didn't know it was you. We didn't know it was Russell. Please don't tell Russell. That's all that problem. But then when Michael got arrested for molesting the dentist's son, Michael Jackson, I would swear on a stack of Bibles, was not a pedophile. He was a young entertainer that grew up, became very famous, had a mean father that used to take him off stage and put him where he had to put him. When he became old enough, he went on his own. I was at Never Never Lands with him. I was at Shows with him in Pittsburgh. I was in New York with him when that incident happened. He lived with Tookie Delia's kids. So if he was a pedophile, I don't think Tookie would put him on the street kids. And when that happened, I called the people in Neverland or probably in Los Angeles. And <laughs> Well, I, said. I knew you were going to do it, but I let you do it anyway. Hopefully Johnny caught that. Um, and I said, if he didn't do it, go public first. But they thought they were smarter. So they didn't go public. The lawyer that sued him went public, and that was the end of the deal. So you, you believe in your heart that Michael Jackson was not a pedophile? I would put Carolyn with her. I would put Russ. I would put my kids with him when they were small. Yeah. Absolutely not. All right, we're going to talk about, we have to take a break, but we'll talk about The Godfather after this because this is a, a Northeastern Pennsylvania's favorite topic, I think. People who live here are such fans, and Russell Buffalino, and subsequently you had a lot of interaction to get that movie made, and if you weren't there, it probably wouldn't have gotten made. I'm talking to Billy Delia, who served as Michael Jackson's manager for, what, about a year, Billy? Was that right? No, a few more than that. More than that? And you you would have gotten reinvolved with the tour that he would have Absolutely. done had he not died. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's too bad for sure. It's ten forty five. The favorite topic of many people who live here is the movie The Godfather. True story? True story. Do people always want to talk to you about that? I don't talk to them about it. <laughs> not even Carolyn, do you tell her about okay, it? I tell Carolyn Yeah, that's about it. So this motion picture the Godfather. It's it's from a book by Mario Puzo, and they uh, decided that they'd like to do this film in New York City in Little Italy. There was a, a movement, though, that there was some. Can we say strong opposition to this by groups in New York? Yes. What kind of groups were they? Well, I was a member of the Italian American Civil Rights League. Actually, I was the secretary treasurer of it. 
and they wanted to take the name Mafia out of it, gangsters, all that, all the, all the mafia stuff out of it, and they did. But there was other problems there that we straightened out. Yeah, there was some problem with the, the, the was it the Teamsters? Yes. So what was their problem? <laughs> they didn't like the movie. They didn't like what they're saying. Yeah. Why not? Well, they painted a bad picture about the Italians. Well, I mean, when when this transpired, though, and Russell Buffalino got he got involved. How do you know how he got involved in this? Probably, if he, he was involved in what happens, it was him and a few of his friends, very close friends from New York. So he was close with people from New York on the opposition side for the movie. Did did people come to him and say, Russell, we really don't want this? Yeah. And then there were people that came to him and said. We really want this movie, right? But it was very instrumental. So he got to be sort of the go-between here to solve some of these problems to get The Godfather made. Is that correct? Correct. So you're in, in the town. The impossible you do right away. Miracles take a long, take a miracle. I love that saying, by the way. It's in the book. Um, you take a phone call one day when you're here, right, from a guy who says he's Marlon Brando? And I said, Russ. <laughs> Some beep is on the phone pretending he's Marlon Brando. Give me that phone. <laughs> and it was Marlon Brando. So Marlon Brando met with Russell, right? To talk on, about on several occasions, yeah. to talk about the demeanor of playing the Godfather, right? Yeah. So were you th- were you there for those conversations? Sometimes. Yeah. What was it like to be there and, and to to witness uh, this instruction from Russell Buffalino to Marlon Brando. I didn't care about Marlon Brando. I was more impressed with Russell. Of course. How did I not know that? Well, in that way, what impressed you about what he told Brando? He told him the truth. told him how to behave. He put people in the movie, told him how to behave. Was Russell Buffalino's family in the movie? No. Was your family in the movie? No, so nobody's family was in the movie. Okay, because somebody said that they thought that was the case. You look like you weren't in the movie, Carolyn. I could tell by your face. Uh, when you did you you saw the movie, right? You saw it. Yes, Russell never looked at it. Right. So Russell Buffalino never saw The Godfather. And they have to do a private showing, and you won't go. <laughs> what did you think about that decision? I thought it was cool. Yeah. And what impressed you when you saw the movie? When you were watching Marlon Brando and The Godfather, did you see Russell Buffalino on the screen? Yeah, they particularly, they were, yeah, they actually mocked him, I would say. I'm Sue Henry sitting in for Bob Cadaro this week, and we are talking to William Big Billy D'Elia, the subject of the book, The Life We Chose. It came out on Tuesday, and it's, uh, you said five? Is it five on the chart, or 15 on... Barnes and, Noble. Barnes and Noble's national chart. How do yes. you feel about that, Billy? Everybody wants to know your story. Just the truth. Yeah. The truth will set you free. What, before we get into the, the last segment, what what when you said you wanted to set everybody straight and talk about the truth, what are what do you think the biggest misconception is about you? Well, certain people try to say I was informing when I was in prison. Which is like signing the contract to kill you. It was not true. I knew it wasn't true. 
they knew it wasn't true. The government knew it wasn't true. So, and luckily for me, I was who I was because people in there knew me and laughed and said, boy, it's not true. If it was true, we all be in jail for a longer time. There'd be 20 other people sitting here with us. You eventually did get arrested by federal officials. Absolutely. You, there was a long time, though, that you didn't, right? And were you surprised by that? Because in this book, there are federal officials trailing you and Russell Buffalino constantly. Correct. Are you surprised? Were you surprised? Did you feel it coming when they finally arrested you? Not really. The first search warrant dated back to 1886. 1886? Yeah. Why? <laughs> they wanted, say, certain people wanted me arrested. They wanted me and Sammy Marink out of the way. So they somehow, through the U.S. attorney, they got our house raided. And then they fought, poor Sammy went to jail for having his kids gun in the house. They went through my cellar three times, through my office three times. Then they, you know, then that blew up in their face. Then when Louis de Naples, who was probably one of the smartest business people you'll ever meet, and one of the most generous, when he lied about knowing us, and he lied to the state police that he was going to give them the contract, they remembered, hey, we got all that information in Billy Settler. Contracts with Louis. Um, news pamphlets made for Louis. Carolyn's wedding list. Carolyn's wedding tables. So how would I purge myself and say I don't know him? He said that about David Steak and Russell, which was a lie. But if I said it, I'd be purging myself. But I can honestly say I never saw him do anything illegal. But he did purge himself. And, and that's how he got into trouble. Yeah, that's yeah. That's how we got into yeah. trouble. So <laughs> your your prison time, um, did anything happen to you because of who you were in prison, or did were you okay there? I was better than okay. You were better than okay. When they arrested me, I pulled in front of the house. There was FBI, Internal Revenue Criminal Division, Pennsylvania State Police Criminal Division, IRS, Secret Service, Homeland Security. And I was born in Pittston. <laughs> and when I pulled in front of the house, I was getting out of the car. And who comes out of the house but my daughter, Miriam, who is a lawyer. And she said, don't worry, Dad, I'm doing this now, right now. Mention all three of your children right now before the show ends, or we can never talk again, right? Because we'll all be in big trouble. Your children. Karen is a sweetheart. She takes care of poor kids. Not poor kids. She takes care of... She takes care of of children Children. in in an academic setting. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Mary's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Russell's a business executive for Guy Singer. So I did a pretty good job raising them. Well, their mother did okay, too, right? You also have a grandson. And I have a, my favorite person in the whole world is my Michael, my grandson. Do we mention everybody? Except my wife. Oh, maybe you might. Well, maybe yeah. your wife. Yeah, maybe your keeps wife, Keeps us too. all together. Yeah. <laughs> you met your wife when you were in, in high school, 12, right? 12 years old. 12? St. Rocco's Dance. <laughs> She must be an amazing Billy woman, or amazing woman, Billy, because to be put in up a, with me, a, what to put up with me? Well, you yeah. is that I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah, to put up with you. So, how do you think the book came out? I think the book came out good. Yeah, are Very you happy good. with it? Very happy. I think I did a good job. 
Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. I, I heard that he he did a lot of work to uh, warm up to you and and to get you to talk. And these things can't be easy for somebody who spent so many years not talking. And my first book was all wrong, and we told him. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, I hope he's listening, and he heard that. Well, he knew that. <laughs> it was all wrong, and I told him. Oh my goodness! Well, did he? And Russell let us use his house. And he gave a lot of pictures and stuff. So yeah. Um, so if maybe he should have called you earlier for the first book. He did try to get in touch yeah. with me, and so you said what? He wrote letters to me in prison. I wasn't talking to nobody. <laughs> he was going to be able to come to Arizona. And I will say this, Jason Sabatelli. When I got out, he sent me two big porterhouse steaks, cooked, to where I was working. That Jason Sabatelli is okay. The Sabatellis are a great family. And if not for the Sabatellis, we wouldn't be sitting here today. That's right. How's that? We're done. Are you upset? Oh. <laughs> Do you want to stay alone? No, we'll, we'll let you go. I think you would stay. I, would I think stay. you would. I think you would, too. But we're done with the hour. This was fun and fascinating. And I know you don't talk to the media. So for you to come in today to talk to me and to be on WILK is is really something. So thank you, Billy, for opening up to us, allegedly. All right, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> oh, you want to say something? Sure. I, um, I just first of all want to say thank you to Matt, because I think he told my father's story in a very respectful manner. Um, so I thank him for that, for giving my dad the opportunity to do that. And I want to thank you. Oh, or, this this was this a, is fun. This so, was a blast. So I think it was fun, and I think it was a great experience. And uh, so. all the all the siblings were uh, they were texting you during this. Yeah, we were, were all here. They my, said, "Are my, you are you my, okay?" My, my brother and my sister <laughs> and myself are all here with my father today because we're all very proud of him. Yeah, so. and you're, you're you're great kids. You were raised to by. Well, we're we're very lucky. We were raised by fabulous parents. Absolutely. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.